What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Allison Interviews podcast. If you're not following me on Instagram, pretty, pretty please, you can find me at the Allison Kugel. That's at T-H-E-A-L-L-I-S-O-N-K-U-G-E-L at the Allison Kugel. I do lots of fun stuff on Instagram, so I kind of love like the old glamour pictures, kind of like reminiscent of the 1990s. I'm just such a sucker for that stuff, and I love getting glammed up and taking really cute pictures. So in addition to clips from my podcast, you'll see some really cool, I think, super artistic pictures on my Instagram. But you know what? Head over there, follow me, and let me know what you think. On this episode, I have a really awesome guest, Dancing with the Stars, icon, Miss Cheryl Burke. Cheryl Burke was, I believe she won the Mirrorball Trophy and her celebrity guest dancer was Drew Lachey back in season two of Dancing with the Stars. And then I think she won season three. So she won two seasons in a row of Dancing with the Stars. And the second guy that she brought to mirrorball greatness was football player Emmett Smith. So she is an amazing dancer. She's an amazing choreographer and she's a really cool girl. We we had such a fun conversation. You know, sometimes I do an interview and it's just an interview, but it's interesting and it's insightful. And sometimes I do an interview and me and the other person like just click and, you know, just become thick as thieves by the end of the interview. And we had such a good time. I mean, we discussed everything from, of course, Dancing with the Stars and her career, how she's doing after her divorce. And But we also discussed mental health and romantic relationships and hobbies and passions and fears. And I mean, everything you could possibly think of. It's kind of like sitting in being a fly on the wall for just a really deep meaningful conversation between two women. So even if you're a guy, hey, you can get something out of this. <laughs> There's some educational stuff in this interview, okay? So sit back, relax, and listen to my interview with Miss Cheryl Burke. The first thing I wanted to ask you is, how are you feeling these days emotionally and spiritually? Well, it's been definitely a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I am in a much better place today than I was, uh, I guess, when it just happened. Obviously, time heals all wounds, but I'm not 100% healed. When it's you like, say it, it just happened, oh, I'm sorry, you mean when it, you when it just divorce? happened? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. sorry, I thought you were referring to that. Um, but yes, I mean, that was a big part of, um, you know, my mental health, I guess. You know, it's uh, not a fun thing to go through. But I, in general, you know, it has taken up most of my thought process. But I have consciously been very active when it comes to meditation and transcendental meditation twice a day, um, when it comes to journaling and, um, you know, I make it a point every single morning is the first thing I do. And I've chosen to really take this time to be alone, but work on my own mental health when it comes to therapy. I have two therapists. I have my cognitive therapist, um, who I've been with for over a decade and my somatic experiencing therapist, which has really helped because as a dancer, you know, my language is through my body more than my mouth. 
I'm familiar with cognitive therapy because I, as somebody who has suffered from anxiety and panic disorder, I've done cognitive therapy. But explain what the other type of, of therapy is that you're doing. Yeah, so somatic experiencing comes from Dr. Peter Levine, who basically, long story short, he went to South Africa and studied animals in the wild. and studied why trauma happens and how do we get rid of, how do animals get rid of trauma, you know, and he saw a common denominator when it comes to shaking it out, right? So animals, you know, and humans are very similar in that sense that, you know, when you see your dog just shake randomly, they're shaking trauma out of their body. And so he wow. discovered, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And so he discovered that, you know, if we were to be conscious as humans and start to not ignore our body like we're so trained in society today no pain no gain especially as an athlete myself like i i twist uh, i sprain an ankle i've got another ankle you know so it's like there really is no resting and there's no listening to my body because if i were to listen to my body i probably wouldn't be sitting here today right like i have to push through push through but yeah. um instead somatic experiencing so i found a somatic experiencing practitioner who studied under dr peter levine and they're not necessarily called therapists they're called practitioners and so she studied under you know his school and he has a whole thing um website but at the end of the day you know as a dancer it's always been really hard for me to communicate my feelings through words and it's so easy for me though to be fully aware of my body and if i were to really take that athletic mind out of it. What am I feeling? You know, why am I cramping all of a sudden? Or, you know, right now I'm actually dealing with like, I get this reoccurring cyst on my tailbone and right now it's pretty bad, you know? And so it's like, why is that happening? You know, instead of just pushing through or let's just get rid of it. Like, no, it's like your body is telling you something. So instead of trying to control the body, the, let the body just communicate to you. So it's another way of perspective, I guess, of uh, therapy. That is so interesting. And with the way I relate to that, I mean, I'm not an athlete per se, but my son is a basketball player. And because of that, I became a basketball player. Oh, cool. So now, so many times when I'm having anxiety, if I just yeah. go out into our driveway and start shooting like free throw after free throw, and I do like a hundred in a row, by the end, all of that nervous energy is drained out of my body. And I yes. find that sometimes the answer is meditation and breath work and all that. And sometimes the answer is just to like, you know, like just get really into totally. my body and get physical. I hear you. And you know, I, that's yeah. why I always say dancing has saved my life because, you know, I have gone through my fair share of trauma as well as I'm sure everyone has. You know, I got sexually molested when I was a little girl. I was in abusive relationships and I never understood. I was too intimidated by my feelings, but dance and I wasn't conscious about it until um, I started somatic, which was very recent. So until I started somatic before that, I was like, why do I feel so much better after like dancing and sweating my ass off, you know? Like, why yeah. do I all of a sudden feel like I was able to, you know, before the dance rehearsal, I was like just depressed. But then after I have all these endorphins and I'm like, oh my goodness, and I feel great. And that's exactly the same, I think, um, situation as what you're saying. Like some, it just, there's no correct or there's no one solution, right? So I'm just trying to figure out other solutions other than cognitive, right. because I think that sometimes too, as much as I love it and it's very great for my brain to start training it and putting words to my feelings it's very challenging sometimes and what's easier for me is to feel 
but I haven't chosen in the past to feel it. So it's all coming up now that I'm dealing with at the moment. So I have a question for you, and this may come off as kind of overly simplistic, but I heard you say more than one time that you have body dysmorphia mm -hmm. um, that was exacerbated by competitive dancing and maybe certain things that you saw growing up. But has it ever occurred to you to just simply love your body? So yes, of course. I've definitely talked about this um, in therapy. Yeah. and. So body dysmorphia, the thing is, is that I've danced since I was a little girl, since I was four years old. So, you know, you are, unless you retrain your brain, which I'm in the process of, but you are who you're raised by. You're also the belief system, right, that was set when you were a little girl or boy. It's like those major, uh, I guess, important years of your life, right? So like I, it was always you know, being compared to the girl who didn't have hips. Like I developed at a very young age. I had got my period when I was nine years old. I already, I basically looked the same as I do now oh, wow. at like 12, right? So I was always different. And so what's hard for me at the moment, unless if I, if I have to be really conscious, like mm -hmm. to talk to this little girl inside of me and love her and, and instead of just pushing her away and telling her to shut up when she throws a temper tantrum, you know? And it's like, I'm currently working this actually both with my cognitive therapist and my somatic. And so it's like, it's interesting because when I'm conscious, I definitely know how to baby her and to like, not necessarily baby her, but to show her compassion. The, the little girl inside of me that never got that compassion growing up, you know? And so it really is harder than just me preaching about it, right? To practice, to retrain my brain to love my body is going to take time and I have to be patient. So absolutely, I hear you. And it's just not as easy as, it's, as it may No, I, I get it. But I had the thought the other day because I watched, I was listening to your podcast and, um, and then I was out walking the dog and all of a sudden I got hit with this thought and I asked it of myself um, because I'm, I, I had a relationship Relationship not that long ago where the person said to me, you know, you should really lose 20 pounds. <gasps> and I was like, that huh. is awful. I'm so yeah, sorry. Like, maybe the weight I should lose is you. <laughs> you're not, <laughs> you know? you're not with hit that person anymore. I no, hope. No. Okay. Good, but good, good, good. Like, it, oh my it, God. It did, it, it did end up putting me for, for a very And you look time. amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I actually have lost weight, but not because of that, because I've good. been exercising and really yeah. taking care of my nutrition. Totally. Uh, for me, but it's so funny because I was never wired for, let's say, an eating disorder or body dysmorphia. So I, it was almost like I heard that, I flirted with that stuff for a while, and I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to have a hamburger. Right. <laughs> like it's just, it's just yeah. Me, you know. No, totally. And and as a dancer, I hear you, and that's amazing that you are able to tune into your thoughts um, and yeah. be more of like the observer, right, of your thoughts. It's interesting because I think if I would have come across this challenge when I was either like when I was an adult, then when I was a kid, maybe it would be different. But at the end of the day, we're dancers and we have mirrors everywhere. Like when I say there's mirrors everywhere, there's way too many mirrors everywhere. And when that happens, 
of course you're looking because I, I do have to look at like what position I'm hitting to make sure that, okay, this is the position, then I have to memorize the feeling in my body to make it muscle memory. But what my point is, is that we're just constantly full of mirrors around us. And I think what has happened when the nation, I've said this multiple times, called, decided to call me fat, right? That is still a sore spot for me. So I'm still trying to clean up the trauma from when I was a kid. So I'm not even here yet, like in this in this world, in this present yeah. moment, as far as my little girl inside me, obviously I'm here today, but like, you know what I mean? What are the things that you have in your life or that you do that make you feel like you are outside the matrix? And, and we're so like, we're so in the matrix now with Instagram and, and just all this like crap. So affected. Yeah. 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 When do you feel like you're outside the matrix? Like oh, I've escaped, you know, I'm free in this moment. You in this I mean? house, in my home, in my home. Okay. That's why it's been really hard. That's why I also have been diagnosed with social phobia. But I think in a way, look, I can go out any, like I can, I can go out. Now, am I as comfortable? Am I being my pure authentic self when I'm out? No, definitely right. not. But when I'm in my safe space, which is my home with my Frenchie, then um, I definitely am. And I'm able to quiet my mind and, and not judge, um, like, I, for example, I'm, I am a horrible singer. I'm tone deaf, but like, and I would never be that person just to sing in the shower. I would always say like, that's like when people are like, you don't ever just sing in the shower. I'm like, no, I make myself blush if I do. But now I've caught myself. Now I'm doing it, which is great. Cause now I am, and I'm not embarrassed by my own voice by myself. Uh, but do you ever sing in the car? No, I listen to podcasts. I'm a podcast junkie. So, okay. All right. Yeah, ahead, which is ahead. interesting because I'm a dancer, but I and I also don't listen to the words because I listen as a dancer to the beat to see if it's like a cha-cha or is it a samba okay. or it's just the way that my brain works. But I have to be very present to listen to the words and the meaning behind the song. But um, some I like Latin music. I don't even understand Spanish that much. So me too. Yeah, me I too. love Latin music. Like, there's something about like the rhythm and like the different uh, instruments that they use that just feed my soul. Absolutely. Same. But um, yeah, no, that is my, that's me outside the matrix, I guess, is the okay. answer to your question. Yeah. So tell me, first of all, how did you discover dance? Well, my mom discovered dance for me because I was four when I started. So thank God she did because I sucked at school. I was not a great student. I would, I always say if I was in school now, I would be an amazing student because I'm so curious, but I just wasn't that curious when I was a little girl, nor was anything, um, like popping out at me as far as subjects go. Like I really wish to this day that they would have mental health in there. Like who cares what happens in the Renaissance era? Like no one is gonna use this, you know? But yeah, uh, yeah that, that is important, but so is our mental health and um, you know, exercise and all that. But at the end of the day, you know, dance for me was my escape, I think. Um, my mom put me in every curricular activity you can possibly think of from basketball, so I played basketball too until I started getting nails. Um, yeah. <laughs> Piano, I actually shot for the other team and that's why I was like, oh, I can't do this. Like I was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm on a roll, you know, like about to score, about to shoot. And I was shot for the other team. Like typical. My son, my son did Ugh. that a couple of years ago. He was just starting out. It was before he had his coach, before anything was good. Yeah. And he had just started to come into his own. He made this amazing shot and I stood up and I'm like, and then someone whispers in my ear, he just shot for the Oh <laughs> no, my God, my heart breaks. Was this recent? No, no, it was a few oh. years ago. Now he is, you know. 
He's yeah. awesome. He's awesome. Shit happens. But like, <laughs> I just love acrylic nails too much or gel nails, whatever. But uh, yeah. piano, also piano was a big thing in our family. And I actually, I was pretty good. I can still, I can't play by sound, but I can read notes. I did softball, soccer, horseback riding, and then dance was the only thing I never complained about. So um, wow. I did ballet from four to 11. And I literally grew out of my tights at 11 because like I said, I got my period when I was nine. Um, and so I couldn't, I just didn't look like everybody. And I remember trying out for the Nutcracker and got rejected. And I tried out a few times. And I also was like, oh, this is kind of boring. You're like just dancing to a piano and you're like, you, and then I saw my mom and dad, my stepdad, my mom and stepdad decided to take up a family sport. So we tried golf. That was not a hit for us. Um, <laughs> And then ballroom dancing. So my mom and stepdad, there was a local dance studio. I'm from the Bay Area. The local dance studio in Redwood City, California called Imperial Dance Studio. And I'll never forget seeing kids my age dance and with another boy to Latin music. And I was like, oh, my God, sign me up. And um, when I, I'm an, also an addict. So when I say yes to something and do something, it's very excessive. And it's either all or nothing for me. So, Wow. Okay. So that quality in your personality has led to a lot of success totally Where has it like gone left well when I I mean I've been sober for almost four years now um, and it was when I would excessively drink and my drinking was so that I thought I was more social so I was hiding the social phobia through vodka sodas <laughs> and it was like a constant seven nights a week especially so it wasn't so much as a competitor. So I moved to LA when I was 21 to join the second season of Dancing with the Stars. And it was then, it was there where it was like a, cause we were trained kind of like Olympians. So there was not a lot of freedom, right? When I was living in Harlem at the time with my dance partner, it was like practice, 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 dance competition, coaching, practice, practice, and like living like a starving dancer. Like I had to support my, um, my passion in life, which is dance and ballroom dance specifically isn't a very uh, cheap sport. It's expensive, very expensive. And to this day, it's like people always ask, well, why did you do it? If all you get is a plastic trophy, you know, and I'm like, because if you haven't ever been as passionate about something, it's never really about the result, right? It's really, and it's not about the money. It's not about it. And I know it may sound um, kind of like, well, what are you gonna do? Like my mom always said to me, I was never gonna make it, make a living as a dancer because dancers were backup back in the day, you know, and God did, <laughs> that really flipped itself on its head when I saw the first season of Dancing with the Stars. Um, and I never, I thought I was gonna come here and do one season and I've done 25. <laughs> so you come, you come to LA and do you, does an agent get you an audition or was it there an open call or what happened? So one of the OG dancers from season one um, and stayed for about seven, eight seasons after that, Louis Van Amstel, he, they wanted to recruit more producers, went up to him and said, who can we have? And like, because I think the show is going to be a hit. We want to, instead of six couples, we want to do 12 couples. So they went to a, a local competition in Los Angeles, which happened to be a bigger competition as far as the circuit goes for ballroom dance. So me and my last dance partner, I had just turned professional. I was dancing with a very well-known man who is a lot older than me so I was 20 I was 18 sorry he was like 36 37 mm -hmm. so um we competed and then the producers saw me so they went to the dance competition and then they said you know we would we'll fly to New York we'll interview you and I at the time 
you know, was also dating my partner. And so I was like, well, if you're going to do this, you, can you also interview my partner? And um, long story short, he was cheating on me. And if it wasn't for that, and this is why I'm grateful for it, like if he would have said, or if he would have never cheated, or if he would have said, no, let's work on our relationship. Come on, we just started the, our competition career. I would have never said yes to this, right? So I, it's literally that sliding doors moment that from that yeah. movie with Gwyneth Paltrow, because it's like, wow, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't may not see it at this moment, but sometimes those painful moments we all go through could be the best thing for you. Absolutely. So you're, are you coming back for, what is it, season 31? Season sixty-five, <laughs> <No>. yeah. <laughs> season thirty-one, yeah. Season thirty-one. I, you know, I I can't say yes or no to that right now, but um, yeah. We you will find out very soon, though. And that's air. That's going to be starting in September. So Either yeah. Way. So if yeah, if I start, I think training starts end of August because we have to train our celebrities for probably like three weeks um, prior to the premiere, which will be whatever that Monday is, September sixteenth or nineteenth. I'm not sure. Okay, and that's and it's on Disney Plus. Disney Plus, okay. Yeah. So what? Like this was ABC's one of ABC's crown jewels, right? So like, what happened? Or or is it? It's owned by the same company, so I just they just decided Ish. to move it over. Ish. You know, yeah. net, network television, I mean, this is just my assumption. I, I'm not so sure. What was really difficult with our format and network television is that the West Coast, it was a popularity contest for them because it wasn't airing. Like the only people that actually saw our dances live was East Coast, right? Because we go live at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 8 p.m. there. You guys mm -hmm. had to wait. Oh, sorry. Are you based here in L.A.? I'm East, I'm East Coast. You're East Coast. Okay. So yeah. people here in Los Angeles voting was already closed technically by the time it aired so they had to literally it was a popularity contest and so that was challenging okay. also we're up against monday night football so it's like that was really um it just clashed and monday night football you know a lot of men i'm assuming probably wanted to watch that or we our show wouldn't even be on tv because it was a big game you know so i think we always ran into that issue um but yes we're under the same roof and family but i do have a feeling like all these Variety shows are going to start doing this when it comes to live uh, competition shows. Because mm -hmm. when it comes to voting, now anybody in the world, because it's going to stream at 8 p.m., I believe, every Mondays, and everybody can watch it all at the same time, you know? So I think it's a really cool, innovative way to keep this um, amazing brand going, right? And I think we're the first to do it. So. And what do you think that um, Tyra Banks brings to the show, or how is the dynamic or the vibe? different with her well first of all Tyra is Tyra Banks right like she is just like she's someone I watched when I was a little girl um, and she brings glamour to the show she really does and you know at the same time she came in at a challenging time she came in during COVID and what's really difficult for dancers in general is that we're very physical like we're like we hug people we're like you know we we don't uh, do distance very well at all and I think with you know Tyra she came in like right at the height of it so we didn't have an audience it was just Tyra um, and she had a lot of pressure you know being able to be a part of a well um, oiled machine here right. on Dancing with the Stars but um, I believe that you know now like I love her grand entrances I love what to see what she wears and I love to see her love starting to grow for the show you know and it's um, yeah. 
everyone has a different experience. I seem to have a long, the longest experience when it comes to uh, Dancing with the Stars as far as on-camera talent goes. But um, it's great to see the show evolve. And I think it's very important. You know, whether or not it ever happens that Tom Bergeron comes back, you know, I think it's important that we see these changes so that, because, you know, everyone always is like, it's just an old show. You know, notice that the judges haven't really changed. It's right. like, I think there's some, like, there's a comfort knowing that the show is still, the foundation is there, but it's nice to, like, throw in some newbies. Okay. Whether I they mean, survive is another question, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's up to them and the audience. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Amen. Uh, who's been your favorite male celebrity that you've danced with and why like was it something about how hard they tried or their backstory or like who who really touched your heart that you had well to I have a few since I've been on first 60,000 seasons but um <laughs> definitely Emmett Smith was mm -hmm. one of my favorites he you know I always call him the man behind the mask because he was one of the first I think Jerry Rice was the first football player and then it was Emmett Smith and I had no idea. I don't really know. I, my mom never let me watch TV. You know, I come from the ultimate and original uh, dance mother. So it was dance school, dance school, dance school, piano. Wow. You know? And so it was uh, amazing. It's great. But like, I have zero <laughs> idea on who these celebrities are unless they're from the old school 90210. Yeah, the old yeah. school 90210. Um, but Emmett was a great, and he is still a great friend of mine. He gave me some really great advice when I met him the very first day and he's like what are you gonna do after this like what is your plan for when this is all over and I was like what <laughs> I was like <laughs> over like I never thought about that you know and even though my mom did instill in me as a little girl you know my mom comes from poverty in the Philippines and she has turned long story short she's turned her whole life up like completely on its head and she developed a business and a, and a company that you know she just sold and it's just awesome to see somebody come as a rags to riches story in a way and so she always said let's plan a through z now that's overwhelming for me a through z can we just do a you know and so Emmett and it's also refreshing to hear it from somebody else maybe maybe we have like selective hearing with our parents but um with Emmett he sat me down because he's like, it's a real thing. Like, how are you going to bank off this show? The show's banking off you. What are you going to do? You know? And he um, has always been that, like, voice of reason for me. And wow. Jack Osborne was another one. Um, I just, I love people and partners on the show who, yes, of course they want to do well. No one wants to look like an ass when they go on Dancing with the Stars because it's very, it's, easily it can happen, right? But it's, a, it's an arranged marriage. You know, and it's like we really have to figure out a way to genuinely and organically have chemistry and communicate. Because, mm -hmm. and then there's a trust too. Like, if you all of a sudden don't trust me, if you think, you know, if you start to question my work and my choreography, that is something that is um, that breaks that trust fast. Sure. And you can see it. I mean, people are not dumb. When you're looking at the television, you can either see if it's fake or if it's real, the chemistry. You know, and I think it's, for me, because we're around each other seven days a week for three and a half months, I have to like you more than, dancing I can teach you, like, regardless. But I have to like you as a person. Well, what's been the most challenging pair up where you had to find a way to find something redeemable or find something good in that partnership? 
Good question. I'm not going to answer a specific person because it's it was a few okay. people out of my 25 partners. Obviously, not every single one was um, got a gold star. Put it that way. <laughs> but uh, not everyone still has my number. Put it that way. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, yeah, but I think you know. There's a lot of egotistical narcissists out there, you know, and I think nobody understands the show and how intense the show is. It may look like, oh, I can dance, like I'm, I dance at the club when I'm drunk. Like this is not that, right? Like this is, in a way, and it's not, we're not like surviving in the wilderness, but I do compare the show in a good way in a, and in a challenging way to Survivor, except we do get water and we have shelter and all of that, but, <laughs> but, it is full on and it really is up to you how you want to look on live television because it's live we don't get take twos or threes this is not we're not kidding this is live and it depends it's what you do in the practice and rehearsal space and it's how you listen to your coach whether it be a woman or a man but a lot of men maybe a lot of actors i'm not going to just say like put judgment on just actors but of right. a lot of people who may feel insecure about who they are as a person this show isn't good for them because your vulnerability is what wins it's not you know looking cool don't sign up for dancing with the stars if you want to look cool nobody looks cool doing ballroom yeah. dancing but when you try to be cool in ballroom dance you look dumb you know you gotta like exaggerate it and just make fun of us pro dancers because that's what looks best yeah, but I think what you said is so telling that vulnerability, I think, is what wins the day in just about everything you do in life. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and 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 accountability is a big thing. And accountability, too. Yeah. yeah. But ego always leads you down the wrong path. Ego you know? is just fear, though, right? Like it's all yeah. fear-based, but even talking like this is very refreshing because not a lot of people understand that but it helps me when I have um, when I start to be like oh because it's very easy for me not to be vulnerable I was raised that vulnerability equals weakness we all know that that's not the case It actually mm -hmm. takes a lot of strength and courage to be vulnerable and I think for me I also have walls up you know and so whenever someone lashes out at me it's the, the work that I've done, it's easier to have compassion and empathy for that person. Mm -hmm. But it's still really hard to dry hump somebody when you have these, <laughs> when you feel disrespected, put it that way. That is the quote of the year. <laughs> yeah, really hard. And you can't walk out because you're like, oh, we, both, we have a job, you know? Right. But what is the greatest advice that you've ever received in your life? Take accountability that you can only change yourself you can't change anybody else who gave you that advice my therapist okay yeah and then somebody who i don't know and who just gave the advice is to feel your feelings and to like the step-by-step -step, which i think should be a book should be called feel your feelings a how-to on how to feel your feelings because it is a, a big three like those three words it very uh deep Right, like, and it's like, wait, be the observer. I think we need to know that we're not, we're not our thoughts. I think that's another thing too. It's like, yeah. and I think that, that when you relate to your thoughts or when you think you are your thoughts, I think that's what causes suicide. I think that's what causes all these mental yeah. health issues, right? Because you are, you become that d dark person in there sometimes. Yeah, you identify with a moment of despair because it's almost like. Um, 
I don't know, really uncomfortable feelings for me, they're like tidal waves. Like they, they rise, they rise, they rise, and then eventually they just kind of crash against the shore or they settle down. And I have had moments where I'm in that heightened state because I am a very passionate person. And in my past, I've said and done some crazy things only to then come back down to a place of sanity and say, oh my God, you know, because you're so identified in that moment or like if somebody makes you angry or challenges you in some way and you've just gotta get the last word and you've gotta say something. And then when you look back on it, Why? it, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. It just seems yeah. so irrational. That's another you know? thing, I, I hear you. Do you do transcendental meditation? Cause that analogy is exactly what uh, TM is, which is, we are like the waves in the ocean, right? And what yeah. we're trying to get to when we meditate, we're not trying to push our thoughts away. I think I was so intimidated by that. Like I can't stop thinking or I can't just stay still, but really it's okay. Like invite the thoughts in, but know that the goal or when you hit that underneath the waves, right? There's the stillness in the ocean. Like there's the absolute stillness. Underneath the surface. Underneath the surface. And that's yeah. that fourth state of consciousness that, um, sometimes we'll we'll get to when we're meditating yeah and that no, I really revives you people keep bugging me they're like you have to do tm you have to do tm and it's it, amazing it, changed my I life i want to do it yeah it, it's the only thing i think that got me um through my divorce with sanity okay and it helped me because i'm i was very reactive now i am i've noticed that i'm a lot better when it comes to um, not reacting and like what you were referring to before and responding mm -hmm. instead. Right. So when it comes to relationships, because I, I also heard you say, I think it was uh, on your podcast, Burke in the Game, um, mm -hmm. you said, you know, I'm realizing that all my relationships haven't worked out and I'm the common denominator in, you know, in the whole situation, like as we all are. Right. So, yeah. How do you take that from a place of beating yourself up or thinking well something's wrong with me to thinking well what is it maybe it's like a some kind of trauma that i haven't dealt with yet 100 something that i need to heal like what is it that you need to heal or that you're working on healing that's a big question that's a great question so i unconsciously fell into the same pattern of dating the same type of men right, which were abusive, not available, non-committal, infidelity, you know, all of that. And I now through the years, and I've been in therapy since I was a little girl, since I uh, was five or six. Um, and so through those years, right now, I have been able to understand why, because of my, there was no constant father figure. My, I mean, my stepdad now, I call him dad, but still, you know, being also sexually molested by an older retired mailman, you know, so like the, the, my definition of love was not real. And, um, I then took that and I just only knew that I, to me, love equaled infidelity, love equaled being treated like shit, love equaled physical violence, love equaled mental abuse, you know? And so that, and when it, when I, and I definitely remember these feelings of when a nice man would come by or if my dance partner was nice to me, I'd be like, Ugh. like I, I wouldn't understand why I felt so disgusted with that because I just didn't have that as a little girl. I didn't know that. I thought that was a sign of weakness from that side. Now, I have consciously, tr I'm still in it. Like this is, I'm a work in progress till the day I die, but like really 
it's interesting because now the reason why I've decided not to be active as of today looking for someone to date or to be in the dating pool is because I know that if I don't retrain my brain, I will be attracted to the same person and I will marry that next person who resembles the person before and you know, it'll just be a vicious cycle and so I am consciously really trying to first, I have to love myself. There is no loving anybody else until you love yourself. And I know that's so cliche. Everyone says it, you gotta love yourself. I'm never gonna 100% love myself. Like it's just not, but I can love myself a little bit more than I ever did. No, you're, you were like, we are like right here because I, I'm going through the exact same thing. I was thinking to myself, I had the same pattern. I'm attracted to the same type of person over and over and over again. And my line would always be, well, I can't help who I'm attracted to. And right. It finally hit me like, wait a second. There are but things- by the way, you leaving that guy after saying something, that is a huge, I bet you you've gained so much love and self-respect for yourself. Yes. I mean, the, yes, I did end the relationship, but I still was not there yet. I, I ended the relationship because I knew I was supposed to end the relationship. Got it. Are you in therapy? Okay. Do you, uh-huh. Yes, I am Got now. It. But it wasn't because I said, well, I love myself. I'm not going to put up with something like that. It was like, oh my God, if I don't leave this relationship, everybody around me is going to hate my boyfriend because they know what he did. I hear you, girl. So I have no choice but to leave this. But it wasn't because I said I love myself. But, you know, your brain doesn't know the difference between a lie and the truth, right? right? So I think instead of saying but, why don't you say the word and, you know? Right. Because I think in a way the self-talk is so much more important than anything else it's like you got to give yourself the credit and the love and just say you know what i did good i did good could i do better 100 percent. could i do be more authentic could i just really know deep down inside that i don't deserve this asshole next to me yes and by the way same thing for me (laughs) like Damn, you know, I just, but I did know though that if I stayed, I would have been very stagnant and I started to feel it. And I was like, I have been in therapy, like I said, my whole life. I might as well flush it down the toilet if it continues another day, right? Right. I also know though that I have you read the book Attached? Do you know what your attachment style is? I don't, but I do know that growing up and I I so hate, you know, you hate to throw anybody under the bus, right? Like my father, I, it was always, he always kind of blew hot and cold or he would blow his stack and lose his temper. And then I would feel like I had to regain his acceptance. So that's my attachment pattern. Same. Okay. So you probably have anxious attachment because there's three, there's anxious, avoidant and um, secure attachment. Three. Okay. So I'm anxious Mm -hmm. and anxious and avoidant always marry each other. Always. Interesting. Yes, you have to read this book. It's freaking amazing. And they give you like a quiz in the beginning and you'll know right away what you are. But I'm a little bit of both, both anxious and avoidant. And I've noticed like what you were saying, you know, as far as I'm never avoid, like I don't, I am not someone to to procrastinate. Like I just like to get it done. And then I noticed that I was doing that in my personal life. And I was like, oh no. No, because like how many times have you heard people just stay in it because they're like, but what, what else? Like they're too comfortable. They're too comfortable. Everybody's too comfortable. I have gone around asking 
because love has always been my Achilles heel. You know, it's like I'm trying to figure it all out. And I've asked so many married girlfriends, are you with the love of your life? Are you happy? Is yeah. It, you know, like what's going on behind the curtain? And right, I've, right, right. I've never had this. This is so bad. I've never had anybody say to me, Allison, oh, my God, I am with the love of my life. They're always like, well, the guy before my husband, oh. I was so obsessed with him, but he was such an asshole. And then I meet my husband they were and on he's so it. good to me. So I chose him. <laughs> hey, but hey, so, okay, this is, that's a great example. My mom, my I, I have always thought my mom and my real dad, like he was very, he was noncommittal. Like I, I have met brothers and sisters I've never knew I had, and I probably have more. And he ended up, like he was long story short was an attorney very successful attorney in the bay area and followed his passion p-u-s-s-y and opened up strip clubs in thailand okay like a whole strip of strip clubs like vegas like your, rest in peace your biological father yeah and i also didn't realize that i'm also 53 percent ashkenazi jewish had no idea until i did my freaking 23 and me are you as well well, I'm 100%, but yeah. Oh, cool. Hi, my fellow. I need to learn more about who I am. My dad, for the longest time, told me I was Russian-Irish, which is why I thought, oh, I can drink anybody under the table. Oh, <laughs> it's like, my oh, my God. Uh, my dad was also a little bit racist. And, um, you know, so at the end of the day, though, my mom, I saw her with him because she would make it a point that I still visited my father every year. So she took me to the strip clubs, not the strip club, but like Pattaya, which is a small town in Thailand or city. And yeah. um, I saw her just cry. I've never seen her so emotional. And then with my stepdad, I see just being, right? Mm -hmm. And to me, before my brain, I guess, in, like 10 years ago was like, she's still in love with my dad, like totally. Like, you know, that's love, like that's passion. But then I realized, no, no, no. Being in love does not mean the roller coaster ride of emotions right. it actually it's when everything is like this like under the way like underneath it all right it's okay. that and we don't need to that is true love like the exciting emotional roller coaster i've had it in every relationship clearly doesn't last mm -hmm. and when people i think movies nowadays and all these love stories it's not real that's not real love the right. notebook is not what we need. That's not the guideline to like how to be in love. Like that's a movie. And I think we need to take ourselves out of that because it's horrible. What it, love has through television and through movies, it has taught us um, a fictional uh, story about love and what it's like to be in love versus what is it like just to be with your partner, your best friend, your soulmate, but maybe you're not having rough sex. Maybe he's not throwing you across the room or however you like it. But that is the beauty, I think, of a relationship. That's right. the consistency of a relationship. And how do you cultivate passion that's more of a consistent, healthy passion? Well, that takes work not and that like, takes communication. Wait, yeah. yeah, that takes full-on communication with two people. and you know, that's hard in itself, but like, that's what needs to be, because it changes. We all evolve. Absolutely. Always. And you either evolve together or you don't. Absolutely.
wow, we just accomplished so much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> and and just just the surface of it, because I could go deep. <laughs> oh yeah, seriously. Um, so if okay. you could travel back in time and have an impact on any famous historical event, <laughs> where would you go and what would you attempt to change? Oh my God, that's a good one. As I said, history is such a waste of time when I go to school. Um, you know, <laughs> good one. What would I, okay. The whole Rosa Parks thing. How I so? Think how that, so? Well, I, I would, I mean, I don't want to give myself this much power, but I think the whole, the racism, the racism that was happening and still happens to this day, you know, I think that I would have loved if I had that power, I don't have this power, nor <laughs> do I think I'll ever have the power to stop racism altogether. But like to be able to, you know, be her friend and be with her and show that like two different, you know, people and two different cultures, two different uh, colors of skin, you know, can actually still be together and have a, a friendship. I think it's more by action than uh, preaching. You know, like we need to show that there is no such thing or that we are all the same person because we really are we're all the same freaking people like that honestly ego gets in the way and that's the ego that gets in the way is why we have wars why we have you know gun violence unfortunately it's like it's also mental health as well right so it's like i think that the more we talk about it and have these conversations and the more we have these uncomfortable conversations i think really helps could you have seen yourself sitting in the front of the bus with her and getting arrested absolutely i don't know if i would sit in the front though because i'm not sure if i'm like i mean i'm oh you don't know if you would have been allowed to sit in the yeah front. i don't think so i don't think so maybe the middle middle maybe middle section i don't know um <laughs> depends on if i'm if i got a tan or not i get i mean right now i'm pretty tan even though it doesn't look like it but um right you know i think i i just would have been with her in general i would have been friends with her you know Right. It doesn't matter. I think, like, regardless, even before that bus scene, it's like just to show that it doesn't matter. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. We're all the same person. It's a lot easier said than done, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you believe in the journey of the soul, meaning that you were somewhere else before you came here and you will go on to something else after you leave here? I do believe that actually like re it's not reincarnation as much it's more like we are all here to learn a lesson and I believe it's the same lesson it really is like okay everyone's like what is my purpose what is my purpose that yeah. is um <laughs> no wonder people get depressed about it because I did like I'm like is my purpose to just teach celebrities how to dance like no you know it's not that <laughs> to teach dummies no I'm kidding I love everybody um but no, you know, it's it's literally to do the work that I've been doing. This mm -hmm. is my purpose. It's like my purpose is to practice all of this stuff that I've been so grateful to be curious about and so grateful for the resources around me and to then act on it. And it's not very specific. And it maybe that may translate into money. Maybe it may not. It's like, what is it that that lights your soul on fire in a good way? Like what is it that makes you want to do something and not think how much am I getting paid or is it time for me to go home or clock out, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I that, and that is people, it. You know, like when people say, I've had people say things to me like, well, 
this is what I really wanted to do, but this is what I do because I have to make a living. Or Which I understand. I get it. Yeah, but you know what my, my response is to people when they say that is, well, what's stopping you from doing what you want to do on the weekends? 100%. What's stopping you from having a hobby? I diamond paint. Like, literally, it's so yeah. tedious. I Googled hobbies for adults because I was like, everyone's like, what's your hobby? I'm like, dance, I guess, is not my hobby because I'm getting paid for it. But yeah. <laughs> now it's putting rhinestones on a canvas that's sticky. It's like paint by numbers. And I refuse to go to bed until I've gotten at least 30 minutes of it in my system because it's not, I wouldn't compare it to meditation. A lot of people do, but I believe meditation. I'm a meditation snob, maybe just a little bit, but I believe in sitting in silence, like whatever, closing your eyes. Anyway, but diamond painting is my way of listening to podcasts, doing online courses about mental health without falling asleep. Like literally I have to be, that's my brain. I'm ADHD. So I was like, I have to be doing that. And it's very soothing putting rhinestones on a sticky canvas and wow. following a key. Yeah. Well, what I've do done you like mean, so like, many of them. canvas and it's like a- Wait, do you want to wait a second? I'm going to show you my latest piece yeah. of art. Okay. Yeah, let me see. Okay. <laughs> I have done like maybe 40 of them already, but it's one by one by one. Here you go. So that is all rhinestones? Look, it's like one by one by one. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm not done with it yet. You see the empty spaces. I still have to do that. You do. You place the rhinestones one by one until it's complete. Yes. Oh my freaking god! <laughs> I know, and it's not about the result ever. It's like right. literally about the journey. Because whenever I finish one, which I and I'm also very OCD, so I will if I see like a imperfect stone, I will. Mm -hmm rip them off one by one to and replace it. Is it like, a, is it almost like a coloring book where you have the template and then you, oh, that is crazy. <laughs> I need to send you one. You're going to be obsessed. Marley Matlin actually, who did Dancing with the Stars. She is obsessed. She's like, can you send me the link for that light board you're using? I'm like, I want to try, I want to try, because I feel like. Get, you should get one on Amazon or I can send you one, whatever. Yeah, I'd like you to send me one. They're like one. 20 bucks. I'll send you one. Yeah, give me your address. Okay. Oh my God, that is so crazy. Okay. You're yeah, gonna, at the end, I'll, I'll give you You are going to be like, we need to develop a diamond painting anonymous for addicts of diamond painting because it's it's so addicting and it looks so, you're like, wait, you're what? What are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, I can always go back to, I'm a ballroom dancer. I love rhinestones because I used to rhinestone my own dance costumes to save some money. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, this was made for me. That is amazing. I've heard of adult coloring books, but I've never seen that. And that is amazing. This is okay. way better than coloring. <laughs> All right. You'll, you'll I use a tweezer. Like, actually, like, oh my God. My dad, my stepdad, who's a dentist, loves it because he's very detailed, obviously, as a dentist. Mm -hmm. He can't stop. That is amazing. Okay. I, you know, when you think you've seen everything, <laughs> you realize you haven't seen everything. <laughs> no, I, no, I know. It's, it's pretty powerful, that thing. So I heard you speak about um, having kids versus not having kids and having yeah. kids and body image. Yes. So where are you at with that? Like, where are you at mentally with the idea of your body going through those kind of changes? Where I'm at right now is I'm not overthinking it right this second because um, if I do do another season of Dancing with the Stars, then mm -hmm. um, 
I just need to do it, right? And then when the time comes, if this will be my last season or not, you know, I don't know. Or if I don't do it, then I can consume my brain with like, okay, you know, for me, I've always said I would prefer not to have to put myself in a dance costume and just let myself gain weight. Because I do believe that I will start to love my body when I don't have to shove my ass in a dance costume. Got it. Okay. Got so it. right now it's on hold, I guess, is the answer to your question. Okay. Would you ever adopt? or A hundred percent. I always thought I was going to. I always thought really? I was going to adopt. Yeah. Wow. Maybe that's your path. Maybe. Because like I, I never thought, like when I was a little girl, I was like, wait, I'll just, maybe I'll just adopt. But I didn't have body dysmorphia. Like I didn't know what it was, what I had, yeah. but it wasn't because of the gaining of the weight. Right. So I always thought I was going to, I have a lot of friends that are adopted, so. Oh, wow. Okay. And what do you think you came into this life as Cheryl Burke to learn? And what do you think you came here to teach? Whoa, that's scary. All of a sudden the pillow just falls on its face. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that's my dad. Stop talking shit about me. No. What did, okay. So like what we kind of touched on about like, what's my purpose in life and what, what is right. that? You know, I think that I am here to tell my story and whether it be full of roses and sunshine, that's not who I am, but there are moments of that and I'm very grateful for those moments, but I'm more grateful to have a platform to be able to speak about the moments that were tough, that to say to somebody or to make somebody feel that they're not alone because when it comes to being abused as a child, when it comes to abuse and I've been blessed to be able to go to therapy, but not everybody has that advantage at all. Mm -hmm. Therapy is expensive. And when you feel like you're alone, that's when it gets scary. And I think that I have been grateful to do as many seasons of Dancing with Stars as I have done because I've now been able to now talk about my story in a way where I know a lot of people relate to it. And if I could just help one girl, boy, you know, get through today, because it's really one day at a time, then that's why I'm here. Okay. So let's just talk about Burke in the game. What, what may, I know you said you love podcasts. So what, what made you say, okay, I'm going to jump into this arena. I'm going to do my own podcast. And what yeah. do you hope people get out of listening to it? So I've done three podcasts with iHeart, um, iHeart Media, right? So this was this is the third one. The one prior to it was called Pretty Messed Up with AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys, who was my partner a year ago on Dancing with the Stars, and our friend Renee Elizondo. And then prior, and then there was one Dancing with the Stars one. So it was like Dancing with the Stars after dark, where my emotions were running high. I was probably angry at something for getting a six, you know. And then I would just talk about it on the sh in my trailer right after the live show. This was last yeah. season. And so with Burke in the game, you know, I'm very, I have a great relationship with iHeart. They're amazing. But I've loved, I was just thinking about this today. It's like, now if we're talking about something that just fills your soul up without like the money side, you don't even think about. Because honestly, like I, that's not where I'm making my bread and butter, but right. I love it so much. And it is selfishly therapeutic. But again, it's like, I love learning in general, but also learning from people like you or like anyone I have on the show, you know, I am a sponge right now in my life. And I 
I believe that in order to heal, I have to be vulnerable. And it's easier for me to be vulnerable behind the computer screen or behind a microphone than it is in person. So I'm just gonna embrace it. And I have learned and grown so much during this hiatus that I've been off from Dancing with the Stars. And I'm just so excited. I get very excited to wake up in the morning, regardless of this divorce I'm going through, regardless of, you know, whatever. I look forward to sitting like an old woman, diamond painting every night. Like, this is, <laughs> that is like my version of going to a club. And, yeah. you know, now that I'm sober, it's like, I really am starting to love my own company. And I'm really also just a human being that goes through ups and downs. And I just want to share that experience. I'm just an open book, girl. I've, I don't think I've said one, I don't think I've not said one thing that I'm not holding back. And that's always been my personality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, I'm selfish because this is therapeutic for me. <laughs> but selfish is a good thing, right? Like we keep putting selfish as a bad thing. Like how can we give to anybody if we don't give to ourselves first? I just yeah. want to know. But I am like, this for me has been such a passion project because my whole life, okay. I, from the time I was in middle school, I was obsessed with biographies. Like I would literally sit in the school Same. library during lunch and read biographies. And so doing this has been like, I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. There's nothing more beautiful to me than peeling back the onion and getting to know who somebody is. Like I Amen. freaking love it. So you're a great interviewer you. and you're awesome. You're very like personable. Thank, Thank you, you for such a lovely hour. So what did you guys think? If you are a woman, I'm sure that you felt like you were sitting in on a girl's night out, you know, and that is super cool. If you're a guy, I'm sure you got a kick out of this conversation, 100%. I have to say, you know, it's so funny, these intros and outros that I do for my podcast are the most nerve-wracking thing. I love doing the actual podcast. The intros and the outros make me sweat, make the heart pound a little bit. So I hope that the intros and the outros are fun and cute. I hope they're not too boring. I try to keep them a little bit shorter these days. But as always, once again, you can find me on Instagram at the Allison Kugel. You can find me on YouTube at Allison Interviews. And of course, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave me a comment, send me a DM, rate the podcast, let me know what you think. I love to get listener and viewer feedback, and I will catch you on the next go-around. Peace. Peace.